Hello, Madame and Monsieur. Uh, it's me, Jake. This is the podcast, and you're listening to it. And, oh, it's been a while. Yes, I realize that. I realize that. I'm not, I'm not blind to the needs of the podcast listener, and I realize that I have been um, neglectful of you in the sense that these episodes are being released irregularly. <sighs> what can I blame aside from my schedule? I can blame my family members, although this episode, my guest is my primary family member. Well, it's hard to rank them. I've got a wife and a daughter, but this episode features my wife and I having a conversation, and uh, I miss her because right now I'm in Denver, and that's where you could have come to see me at the Denver Comedy Works. And if you did come and see me, thank you for coming to see me, and if you haven't come to see me, please come and see me. So if you want to know where I'm going to be, you can go to my website, jakethis.com. But I will just run down a little bit. I'm going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, March 12th, March 13th, and 14th. I'm going to be in Levittown, New York, on Long Island, the Governor's, March 21 and 22, or 20 and 21. Oh, can you believe I blew that? 20 and 21. I'm going to be at Flappers, Flappers in Burbank, California, Burbank. April 2, 3, and 4, I'm going to be up in San Francisco at the Punchline. And then um, I've got some more dates coming up, which I see are not on my website. Oh, God. This is why I'm, the podcast is not coming out regularly. I can't, I'm not even updating my website. What the hell is the matter with me? Well, I've got to get those other dates up there. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And, you know, <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, 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 and tomorrow. All of our tomorrows rolled into a tomorrow. And then put some hot cheese on it and enjoy your life. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, my guest is my wife, and we did this in our bed, this conversation. We did this conversation in our bed uh, where we've done so many great things, my wife and I, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Turn me on. Hi. Hi. Did you turn me on? Yes, I just turned you on. Oh, Are you on? I don't know. We'll yeah. talk a little bit. You well, I'm talking. That, you have to hold it up to your mouth when you're talking. I, I'm talking. I'm looking to see yeah. there's a red button on yeah. it. Yeah, there's, not a, red, there's not a red button on it. <laughs> I've got all that. That's how you turn me on, Jerry. It's the red button. You oh, fuck. It's always so dark. I can't find that thing. I mean, I feel like I do a pretty good job. But if you had told me sooner about this red button, I feel like we would have both been a lot happier. Right. Well, now you know. Now I know. Get down on it. When we're done with this, I'm going to get a flashlight and you can show me where it is. How's Welcome that to my marriage, everybody. Yeah, this is it. Life with Jake Johansson. Yeah, well, I don't think it's so bad. I t- I'm trying to take a pro- pragmatic approach. It's pretty great. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving it. I mean, I'm, I've been in it for years now, 14, 13 years. Well, wait. This year is going to be our 13th anniversary, I think. Yeah, but in April we would have been together for 14 years. Yeah, but you can't. That's some kind of way of girl counting. you got to count. I mean, I feel like we had a pretty quick courtship, consi- considering we had met four-year four break that we took. Well, yeah. yeah. But that was, the, you know, you have no one to blame but yourself for that because you were the person who said, I can't go out with you because I have unfinished business with this other guy. And then you didn't call me back. You just waited for me to, you know, Haley's Comet my way back around into your life. I mean, I know that's not what it felt like you were doing at the time. I'm sure you just thought you were having fun or looking for some other guy besides me. Cause yeah, well, I did once say you were the one who got away, but yeah, got a bit derailed by the 
Prince of Darkness, and then there was the four years. But I think it was the timing worked out pretty well, actually, really. Yeah, it did work out well. I think, I mean, I think we got together when the time was right. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, me Mr. too. Mrs. Johansson. It's so great, Mrs. Johansson, even though <laughs> that's you. I really was talking about this with someone the other day, that you were going to change your name. You had said you were going to change your last name to my name. And then hey, it was Ladies like, and gentlemen, have you noticed that Jake brings us up every time I'm on the podcast that I didn't change my name? Have I brought name? this up on the podcast before? <laughs> yeah, I'm you sorry. Have, excuse me. I'm, I'm a feminist. So, I'm the age yeah. of a And you a should man. be too because you have a daughter. I am a and feminist. And you don't want her to ever change your name to some bloke's name. I am a feminist. I've got my own and I name. I I'm my own person. Hey, just shut up for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, why don't you shut up, Mr. Johansson? I'm saying that... Uh, I would have. I would have never occurred to me to ask you to change your name to mine. The the idea that you had said that that's what you were going to do was very surprising to me. And then it was sort of a weird other surprise that you didn't actually do what you said that you were going to do. <laughs> and then you run. So oh, it's like now, I wasn't going to ask you to that's do that. Who I am. Then, that's how I am. Did you ever consider changing your name to my name? Yeah, I did. Jake Weymouth. Yeah, I did. Mm. But I thought I've, I've already got a pretty substantial career underway and i've got that alliteration thing going with the two j's jake johansson but jake weymouth is a great name i mean i I could have been jake gyllenhaal before jake gyllenhaal with a name like jake weymouth and he would have had to fucking fucking move over aside yeah 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 night catcher rider slider would have derailed his creepy guy with a camera oh yeah what was that movie called Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Mm. He was creepy in that. Yeah, that movie was too long. Like all movies, it, it got it had a good it had a good sort of you know thing, and it just should have stopped sooner. But that's yeah. how I feel about all the movies these days. Yeah, I Mr. Forget. Turner. Yeah, knock an hour off that. Which one was Which one was Mr. Turner? That's the one about William Turner, the famous English painter. But you know, it's oh, like I didn't what even it, see that. What so. was What was the other thing? That Inherent right Vice. Link. I got an hour out of that shit. I mean, what all was of Inherent them. Vice? What, that was, was the that? Thomas Pynchon book. Oh, I didn't see that movie With Joaquin. Either. I mean, I love Mies and Joaquin, and I do like Josh Brolin deep-throating a popsicle. That was good. Oh, really? You got to yeah. see that? Yeah, yeah. He was always trying to stick some phallic thing in his mouth, and that was quite funny. But after an hour and 40 minutes, I had to walk out. I was done with that shit. Oh, you didn't even stick around for the finale of that. <laughs> By the time we left, a tenth of the audience had walked out. That's how much we weren't liking it. Have you read any Thomas Pynchon books? I'm always trying to read Gravity's Rainbow because I know that I, you know... I felt like Gravity's... I did read Gravity's Rainbow, and I felt like it was worth it. It was worth the effort. It took me three running starts to get into it hard enough that I could get through it. And and then also, it's one of those books <laughs> that while you're reading it, you're completely lost. You know, it's it's to, to read the book is to have the experience of the people in the book who are just like, they're paranoid or they don't know what's going on. They're confused or they're on drugs or hallucinating. And- they're on drugs. And the thing is, I mean, Gravity's Rainbow, I've started it a few times. It is really good. It's just sort of the level of concentration. I always say if I went to a desert island and I could only take a couple of books, that'd be one of them. Yeah, you take a really. I take. I take. Yeah, I take Gravity's Rainbow. Stand up to multiple. I liked Mervyn Peak. He's. He's. I mean, he's not quite as. You know, you're not quite as lost. It's not. Mervyn Peak. He's the English guy who wrote the Titus, um, Titus alone. Titus Grown, Gorman Gast, and Titus alone. 
and Titus Andronicus. That's uh, no, no, that's Shakespeare. Darling. Yeah, I yeah, that, yeah that, you kind of mix that with the other, that other that other the, yeah. the English guy who everybody knows Shakespeare. Well, I'm Not just everyone knows to steer Mervyn it around Peake. to something that's something. Mervyn Peake is pretty great. He was an illustrator, but he's oh, he's good. It's such a good trilogy. I mean, it's fantasy mm-hmm. and crazy, but it's not as it's not as sort of impenetrable as some of Pinch's. Well, if stuff it's is. fantasy, I might like it. I don't like books about real people who are miserable. You know. Oh yeah, that yeah, the female memoir, my least favorite of all books. Sorry, female memoirists, but I yeah. really, <laughs> I just, you, it's I just, thought you were a feminist, but you immediately turned your back. No, no, I, actually, male memoirists as well. Running with scissors, what a load of bollocks that was! Yuck. But wasn't that yeah. that was even just complete uh, nonsense? Yeah, well, he fabricated it. Up. Yeah, he interviewed them, and he, yes, no, he absolutely. There was a lot of hyperbole in there, and there was, you know, there was sort of distortion of the facts, and I mean, he was. Naughty, that guy, Augustine Burroughs, or whatever his name was, and he even changed his name and made it more. Didn't he have to? Apo- did he have to apologize to Oprah, or was that a different person? Oh, that was the other guy who pretended he was deaf. He had to apologize to his parents. <laughs> he <laughs> pretended he was deaf. He had to apologize to them for. No, I think he was deaf, but he sort of blamed them in a really horrible, mm. you know, sort of really public way. But you know, all you crybabies, fucking stop it. Sorry, I've just got no patience for you wow. right now. Yeah. But, but normally you're a fairly compassionate person, at least. Uh, yeah, but those public, those big public crybabies. And then, but then also to sort of make up a story. I mean, I suppose it's like, you know, what's the naughty New York Times journalist, Philip Glass? No, what's his name? Glass? Not Ira, not, not, Philip, not Philip. The Glass. other one. The other Glass. Um, Shattered Glass was the movie they made about him. I can't remember what his name was. Oh, he, well, I don't even really care now that we're talking about it. You better get us on a subject because I'm just really my freewheeling it's, out of here. It's my dream someday to have to apologize I'm to off-roading. Oprah, Oprah for something. That's my. That's really what I'd <laughs> yeah. like. I'd like to become successful enough that I. it's required of me to go on Oprah and apologize to her. Yeah, they have to go on Jerry Springer and apologize. Oh that God. would just be really like that. That would be a, you know, that's a bottom feeding and, you know, like, you know, career closer, that move. I don't think you can even do it. I don't think Jerry Springer would allow anyone to go on and apologize. That's what his show is, actually. It's it's the public, you know. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's people going on doing things that they should have to apologize for, but they don't. It's it's like, come, why don't you come on and do something despicable or get angry at someone who did something despicable to you? But mm. nobody apologizes, I don't think. No, there's no mea culpa. Dr. Phil, I think, wants people to apologize quite a bit. Oh, that guy, he's not even a doctor. He isn't a doctor. And he's not we even had that. bald. He just pretends. <laughs> oh, no, I think he really is bald. <laughs> I think that's really... That's yeah, really the same not a lot of people out there pretending well, to be bald. Oh, it would be great if you found out that that was some kind of special effects baldy wig that he's wearing and he really has a ponytail <laughs> that he's been hiding all this time, Dr. Pony Phil. Ponytails. Yeah. What a hypocrite. Yeah, pigtails. But what if Dr. Phil has hair like Pippi Longstocking? How great would that be? But it's probably, that's not going to happen. No. But That's a if, weird fantasy that you're having right I, now. My there. fantasy is that enough people would listen to this podcast that someone would right now Photoshop Dr. Phil with a couple of pigtails and email it to me. Uh, or send me a link of someone else who's already done it on the internet. Well, I got to Google this after the show. Yeah, Google it. Uh, what is it? GTS. Google that shit. Yeah, is that it? GTS. GTS, man. That's what all the young kids say. <sighs> How young? How young are the kids who say that? <laughs> Fuck knows. 
Not me. You don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to do some of the stuff that young kids do. Oh, what I'm, is that article you've got over there? Consume, screw, and kill? This is the book that I oh. wanted to talk to you about. It's called oh, yeah. uh, The Sixth Extinction, mm. uh, An Unnatural History by Elizabeth Colbert. Or Colbert. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I, Stephen Colbert is in my head, even though Elizabeth spells her Col- Colbert with a K. Right. So she hasn't called her book Consumes and Henry Holt. Kill. That's what the uh, magazine. This article the, is summing the up mm-hmm. the behavior of human beings as consume, screw, kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds about right. That's what we do. I think first we screw, then we consume, then we kill. But, you know, in a. Maybe you don't start screwing. You're consuming before you're screwing. That's for sure. I'm glad I worked that out. Yeah, you um, hit dinner and then sex and then murder. Well, you're a child first, and you start consuming. You don't start having sex until you're an adult. If everything goes right, um, right? Yeah, it doesn't always though. No, Catholic. Those people who end up having to apologize and write their memoirs. Um, so the extinction symbol. Are you familiar with that? The two triangles, you know, point to point with a circle around it. That's no. the extinction symbol. No, no, I haven't seen that one before. Yeah, yeah it looks like an hourglass with a circle around it. Mm. Doesn't look that om- ominous for an extinction. Well, um, it's got a Twitter feed. <laughs> at, Great. That yeah. extinction st- symbol. It's got 19.2 thousand followers. Really? 19,000. 19, 200 mm. followers. Yeah, mm. it's got a lot of followers. It's got more followers than I have. The yeah, extinction and me. symbol. You and me put together. The rapidly accelerating collapse of global diver- b- global biodiversity. Ugh. Every 20 minutes, a species goes extinct. That's what they say. So it's um, referred to alternately this extinction, the sixth extinction. Do you know what it's what this extinction is called? Have you been reading off of my piece of paper? No. I know about this because I remember I'm now an environmentalist. The Anthropocene is what they call this era or this epoch. Some people call Uh, it the Anthropocene extinction and others, some call it the Holocene extinction. mm. Yeah. I go for Anthropocene because we're so altering our environment right now. I think that, you know, on every level we're killing off the biodiversity, we're changing our atmosphere, we're changing our weather, you know, we're causing all these extinctions. I mean, we are the we are the drivers of what's happening on planet Earth right now. We're we're it's, driving it right now. We are so in the driver's seat here with our foot out on that accelerator, man. We do a bit of swerving around, but we hardly do any braking. Yeah, four billion species have emerged since the planet became habitable. That's what they say in this article. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they count that up. I don't know how they can know about all those species. Ninety-nine percent of those species no longer exist. How about that? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is there are massive die-off? You know, there are die-offs all the time. But they say that the thing well, is, since is we this... got here, that the background rate of extinctions are one hundred to a thousand times faster than they used to be. That's pretty huge. It's the velocity of the extinctions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every twenty minutes, a species. The thing is, we're losing them now faster than we're finding them because there are still so many species that we don't even know about. And when you think that ninety-five percent of all life is actually in the ocean. Well, we haven't even been down there to find it yet. We know about some of it, but, you know, 70% of the ocean, of the world, the planet is covered, 71% is covered in water. And when you think about how deep it is, they say, and it represents 95% of all species. In and the ocean. 
Yeah, all pla- yeah of the whole planet species, ninety five percent of them are in the ocean, and there are things that are that are going extinct before we have even found them, catalogued them. Same within the rainforest, we haven't even found them, and they're going extinct. Right. Well, we don't even we. That's a little egocentric. What you don't know can't hurt you. No, but it's egocentric to think that the big the the whole point of you know it's like it's too bad that we never found you before you went extinct. I mean, we're not in charge of finding everything. No, and we're writing it down in our little notebook, but, Rain but, Man style. Yeah, no, 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 that's true. But but one of the things the the thing that they say is so terrible about the biodiversity loss. I mean, number one is this is an interconnected you know, system, we all rely, you know, we rely on everything that's here. And so we're losing things that have important jobs that, you know, that we don't even know about that we're losing. But mm. also when you think that of how much of our medicine comes from the natural earth, I can't remember what percentages of pharmaceuticals, but it's huge. You know, it comes from rainforest, it comes from animals. There's some, what is it? Oh, I'm so tired right now. I can't think of the special thing that I could be telling you. But there's some snail or crab that has some sort of jelly in it that means that we can do some kind of bi- transplant surgery. Well, if we hadn't discovered that, well, there could be another slug or something that's got some great goo in it that could oh, enable a- us to do another kind of surgery or another, you know, could be the cure to cancer, but it could go extinct before we find it. So this is the thing about losing the biodiversity is you could be losing these unbelievable treasures that have some chemical compound in them that we're losing that could, you know, really have helped us. And that's, I suppose, sounds, you know, that's egocentric very, as well. That's very, yeah, anthropocentric or human-centric, person, people-centric. Yeah. The idea that, yeah, it's too big. Anthropocentric. Anthropocentric. Yeah. I'm going to just pause for a second so the listeners can write that down. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting outlook on, yeah, we're disappointed that we're destroying species before we can find out how we can cut them apart and no, no, squish no, them no, down no, that, just, and use them to help us. Uh, yeah, I, that's not my argument. My argument more is that it's interconnected and you don't realize when you're messing with these things and causing them to go extinct what that could mean to the very fabric of life. You know, it was John Muir who said, you know, everything, you know, it's all interconnected. Oh, my God, look at my socks. <laughs> yeah, they're interconnected. <laughs> yeah, my, the thing. my thready socks. My hey, thready honey, socks. you got to hold the mic sort of close to your mouth. It, like this? Talking, yeah, that's... Sort of like Josh really, Brolin style? Yeah, that, would be, it in my that would be really great. Right, but close, as if well, I was going to. Well, right, because the problem is if you hold it that way and then I set the level and then you move it away, then it gets quieter. Okay, all right, I'll hold it close. But, yeah, what about the whole... Love to love you, baby. Yeah, love to love you, too. Um, what about the whole idea, though, that, that just, like, as co-inhabitants of the planet, maybe we should ease up on some of these other... Animals. Well, that's I mean, what I think. I think it's, you know, yes, it's the hubris and the selfishness to sort of think that we're the most important. I mean, the thing that's hilarious about people is we forget we are animals or how much we, you know, rely on the natural world. And there's a great line from a Cargill executive when he goes to India and he talks about some pesticide or whatever that they're using, some insecticide. And, you know, we stop the bees from usurping the pollen. It's like, hello, Cargill guy. Do you realize how, you know, Monsanto, Cargill, you're all the same. How, those bees, those, those bees in our pollen, they're usurping it from us. Yeah, yeah. The, you know how much we actually rely on the pollinators and that now because there are so few bees in China, you know, the Chinese have to, with feathers, hand pollinate their crops because there aren't enough insects left to pollinate their crops. So Chinese farmers are going around with feathers from plant to plant to spread the pollen. I don't think that's going to work out well for them. No, I mean, there are not, a lot of Chinese people 
people, but I don't think there's enough of them. Yeah, it's a great job. Yeah, I'm the guy who holds the feather and does the pollinating. I do the sex work of for the flowers that the bee used to do. Well, there's the feather guy, and then there's the other guy with the bucket full of pollen. No, I think you have to be the same guy. I don't think you can have a have a feather without the bucket of pollen. It's one guy. Yeah, you've got to have your eggs and your spermies all. To, you know, you've got to be in charge of them. Yeah, well, I'm, can... I'm picturing one guy sort of prancing along with the with the feather and wisping it onto the flowers, and the other guy just following along. So when the feather swings back away from the flower, he he gets close enough that the guy wisps through the pollen with the feather. That's the picture that I have. Right, you've seen one guy acting like a bee and then one sort of like a, f- a flappy, sort of ethereal, happy little bee or butterfly doing some pollinating. I them. And the other guy being the worker bee or the worker ant, like here I am with the big bucket of heavy pollen. I don't think pollen weighs that much, Jerry. I think just one guy is going to be able to do it. Okay, well, I... You they know, probably have kids doing it. That's why I have you on the show, because I... Yeah, just, but I, I feel like my... Um, if I could hire some actors, you know, a choreographer and work out exactly my vision of how I think the Chinese should be pollinating the flowers, I think it would be entertaining to watch. Mm. But someday that's not what's going to happen if I win the lottery. Let's face it. See, the thing that's interesting about the, spe- about the species going extinct, sorry, I just interrupted you, but you know, you think <laughs> yeah, about they, things I like, was unwinding a little. you know, the bees, you know, we're destroying them with the, you know, the, pesticide that we use that's got you know the nicotoids in it and that's what's killing the bees and then all monsanto and all those assholes want to just you know keep going to congress and say no let us spray it let us spray it we don't care that the bees are dying but then there are the species that we're eating out of existence like the tuna you know 95 percent of tuna are gone you know 90 to 95 percent of the sharks are gone because people want to eat shark fin soup do you know that texas is responsible for half of the sharks half of the shark fin soup or shark fin industry in the u.s so stop it texas stop killing those sharks now the whole state i'm talking they're not to eating you. the sharks they're just no, killing no, no, them. no they, they export them but the, but the thing is when you think about the the species that we're eating into extinction and you know you take out those species those are major predators and you take them out and then you've got unchecked species underneath them who then won't have their major predators eating them, so they'll explode. They'll eat all the food supply underneath them. There's a thing called a trophic cascade, where if you take out a major predator, the thing that happened in Yellowstone Park when they took out the wolves, Mm -hmm. and then the elk went crazy, and the elk ate you know, all the saplings and the trees, and then there wasn't shade for the fish eggs to be able to develop in the water, and so there were less fish. And, you know, there's going to be a whole whole terrible trickle-down effect, and that's what we're going to create in the oceans but that's how they they realize when they reintroduce the wolves that they that it improves the fish yeah. the fishing yeah. yeah yeah um do you know about some of the other extinctions you want to tell me from your article Are you, is this a test Are we going to see well how? the dinosaur one the one that took out the dinosaurs was when the uh the meteor the big meteor hit the Yucatan peninsula mm. it says at a speed of about 45,000 miles per hour yeah, pretty huge. A meteor the size of Staten Island. See, that could take all of us out. That could make us, you know, us extinction causes as it, well as we could go extinct. I mean, we yeah. could go extinct by what we're doing to the other things that are making them go extinct. It's, that could cause our extinction. Or we could get hit by a meteor sooner. Which is the equivalent of, you know, getting hit by a bus as an individual. You know, you like you live in your life. It doesn't matter how you live in your life, whether you're eating vitamins or bacon every day. 
when you get hit by that bus or that meteor, it's all over. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have time to think. Fuck it, I could have been beating bacon all this time because it's so fast. Wham! Yeah. You're I'm going to try. If I ever get hit by a bus, that's my last words are going to be. Fuck all of the bacon I could have had. <laughs> You're not getting your bacon quoted, mm-hmm. you poor thing. The biggest extinction, the most. The, the the meteor one was the most dramatic. It says the impact of that meteor vaporized everything in what is now North America. Mm. I, that's how I'd quite like to go, actually, really fucking quick and vaporized. Vaporized? I, I don't even know want to know, know what's hit me, and I've got a feeling when that meteor comes, you don't even know what's hit you. It happens so quickly. Yeah, I don't, I you don't just think you know. Boom, and it's gone. You know, you don't even have time to think about the bacon or your kid who you love or your husband. You know, I'll never have sex again. You just like boom. You know, I mean, it's like one minute. You know, one second you're there, the next nanosecond, it's over. You're out. Yeah, that's how I'd either like that or just die in my sleep <laughs> when I'm an old old lady. Yeah, and I've had a lot of sex. How, well, as well as all the other stuff. That's I'd so like great. To I'm yeah, I don't per- care about eating bacon. I'd quite like to do some hallucinogenic drugs again. Psychedelics. Yeah, you bring that up every time you're on the podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, like you and how oh, I was going to change my name. No, because I've just been reading the great Michael Pollan article in the New Yorker about how you know they're doing uh, experiments on them again and they're working out for cancer patients and for people with anxiety disorders and who've you know got sort of uh, you know um, addictions that you can really help them by getting them I'm, tripping. I'm telling you, we got to go to Peru and take ayahuasca. I am down with it. We just have to work out who's going to look after our little kid. Well, I'm, I may be able to... Maybe and you I can... said she's not allowed to take the hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> no, she's out. She can't go on this trip. Maybe we can figure out a way to just do that in the valley. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to the valley to take ayahuasca. You have to be somewhere beautiful. The valley does not. There's no pretty... Well, you go to somebody's backyard who's got a garden. You don't... You, you're in a... When you actually do it, you're not outside and beautiful. You're in a place on a... Like a pad... And you throw up and get diarrhea, and then you go on this trip, and, and the shaman, shaman, is it shaman or shaman? The shaman. Shaman is going to shame you. You want to go with the shaman. The shaman, he sings and, and uh, does little chants while you're tripping and takes care of you to guide you mm. through this intense um, spirit experience that's then life-changing and gives you a new perspective on your existence if you're not hit by a meteor first. Or a bus. Yeah. Well, if you were tripping, it wouldn't be so bad, I suppose. Um, the most dramatic of the Big Five extinctions mm. is called the End Permian Event. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, I do know about the End Permian Event because I studied that in school. Um, but I have to say it's eluding me right now because I'm, I'm my brain's a little bit tired. Jog my memory. Give me a... Well... I, let's. I'm going to take you back, Jerry. Not not back, not back to Detroit, the Motor City, and the early days of Motown. A little bit further back than that. I'm going to take you. It's back. icy, isn't it? The Permian. The end. It's of the 252 Permian? million years ago. Mm, and it's a huge you extinction. Yeah, I don't. I, it's uh, to think about 252 million years ago, and then the, the Earth is, or that the the species started. Three and a half billion year billion years ago. Holy cow! Mm. So 252 million years ago was the end Permian event. No one knows exactly what happened um, other than that the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere all spiked, pushing up global temperatures and upending the chemical composition of the oceans. They know that that happened. 
Does that ring any bells? Yeah, it does, because the thing is that they say that where we're pushing CO2 to right now could be by 2100 at end Permian levels, aren't they? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So now, yeah, I'm, now still I'm remembering it really loud and clear because it's yeah the temperature was at you know eight degrees Fahrenheit, ten degrees Fahrenheit hotter than it is now. Well, I'm, now I'm still talking about the end Permian event. Warmer oceans may also have led to the flourishing of bacteria that produce hydrogen sulfide, a substance that uh, is not good. Ninety-six percent of all species di- disappeared. Ninety-six mm. percent of all species disappeared at the end Permian event. Yeah, it's been called the Great Dying. Yeah, and the thing is, because there was a paper released last year by the Royal Academy of Sciences, and it was talking about climate change, and it mentions the end Permian and where we went to with CO two levels and how hot it was, and yes, the ocean acidification. But it talks about. Uh, the dinosaurs in, in the meteor, mm-hmm. the dramatic extinction, they may have died out in a matter of months. The end Permian event played out over 100,000 years. <laughs> so it was... It nice was ex- yeah, welcome to your extinction and really enjoy it for the next 100,000 years. It's going to be slow Yeah, so in any one gory. lifetime, you wouldn't really be noticing that. Yeah. But that's what they're talking about in, in this... Uh, this uh, extinction that we seem to be in right now this well the um, thing about this extinction and what's happening is when the temperature starts going up you know there are certain species that can move you know animals and insects can migrate but trees can't move you know they do over long periods of time when weather you know when the climate changes but not over these short periods of time they just right now they're dying out because they can't you know there's no you know we're going to be able to move a hundred miles a year you know and get you know, further north where the climate is going to be cooler or more like we're used to. And that's the thing that's, you know, because of how quickly we're warming up, that, you know, if you're lucky, you can migrate away from it. But the other thing is also because we've destroyed so much habitat, it's not as if you can move out of your small bit of rainforest that you've still got left and, you know, go north because that rainforest doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's a city all, and people that's a, there now. That's an oil refinery. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, yeah, you migrate right into an oil refinery. And, yeah, set up shop there and it's so bloody nice. Yeah, that's the thing. So you've got these really – This is the yeah, this is the huge threat to the biodiversity because you're now in these tiny pockets, you know, these – and they say that, you know, there's an island um, aspect to extinction that once you're in an island, you've got a small population, you can't get out and reproduce with other, you know, of your species, you know, and there's also no migrating. And they've tried to set up these things, you know, migration corridors in between, you know, small areas of habitat for animals. But, you know, the animals are slow on the uptake on that. Well, I mean, no, they're they not. Do, but, they do put. I mean, there are some pretty amazing ones that they have. You know, for migratory routes, we have here now. You know, we have tunnels that are built under freeways. You mm-hmm. know, the, the the big cats learn how to. You know, actually go underneath the freeway and and take the tunnel because if they go on the freeway, they obviously are hit by you know cars and they die. We have them here. In yeah, they don't learn. The ones who already knew that. Yeah, they get hit by a live, bus. and yeah. the ones who didn't know that yeah. die. Oh, look, I don't think oh, they're oh, loony. I just saw Joe get run over. I see a tunnel down here. Do I want to? You know. Yeah, no, it's a, it, I don't know how... how Joe's I, the name of one of the big cats? I'm just calling him Joe. You know, I don't know how steep the learning curve is on that. It's interesting that you but, picked a man's name, or is that Josephine? It could be a lady, yeah. It could be uh, Jojo, Josephine, uh-huh. Jocelyn, Joanne, so, Jagina. <laughs> Jagina. 
So in this book, the Vagina, sixth, should I say the sixth extinction? Yeah, Elizabeth Colbert. Yeah, I've heard her on the radio talking about a book. Um, one third of all reef building corals, a third of all freshwater mollusks, a third of all sharks and rays, a quarter of all mammals, a fifth of all reptiles, and a sixth of all birds are headed toward oblivion. Right now, that's a lot of that's a lot of fractions and. Yeah. How many did she say the sharks? Um, a third of all sharks and rays. God, I thought with sharks it was higher because I know a lot of species in sharks, they're, you know, they're 90% gone. The sharks, are we doing something like, is it, how many do we kill an hour? It's a, there's a crazy, you know, because everyone's always talking about how scary sharks are. I have to look it up on my phone. We kill 11,000 a day. Or, well, we're more scary than sharks. Or 11,000 an hour. Let me look it up and see what it is, how many we kill. Because mm. it's 11,000 or something. It's, it's really horrific how fast we're killing them. Well, in, uh, because we've decided that we don't, we're, we're afraid of them. We don't like them. They're dangerous. We're going to kill them. No, we want to eat. We, Asian people want to eat shark fin soup. And oh, they, it's that they it? just we take them eat. out of the ocean. Well, so we're just cutting fins. the fins off and then we let the rest of them. Yeah, and then they throw the, I mean, it's so cruel. And then they drown. You know, they can't swim up. They can't breathe. And so they just fall to the ocean, bleeding and drowning. It's disgusting. Sorry, everybody, but... It is... Well, sorry. You're not the one who's doing it. No, no, I'm not the one who's doing it. But the shark fin soup and the, also the, just the killing of sharks is so terrible. But I'm going to find... I'm going to tell you what the statistics are because I really... 11,000 sharks killed. Here we go. Oh, my God. 11,000 sharks. I was right. It is. It's per hour. 11,000 sharks are being killed per hour? Yep, yep, yep. How many people do we have on this We kill job? 100 million sharks a year. I mean, it's so insane. We're, but we're not killing them one at a time. One person kills one shark. They're on a boat getting caught in nets. Or, or is this actually they're just catching one shark, cutting its fin off, and that's one? You know, if you Google images, you'll see these um, – you'll see um, uh, jetties and decks where shark – you know, boats have come back, and they're just – thousands of these fins lying drying in the sun and you you can also see these guys just you know you you hook up the shark you pull it up or they bring them up in a net and they just machete off the fins and then throw the whole rest of the animal back Mm. it's really it's barbaric but the other thing is you know sharks have been around for 400 million years they were here with the dinosaurs they survived that extinction they're at the top of their evolutionary game i mean they could not they can't evolve any higher than they are they're already when you think about how they swim through the ocean how they survive how they eat i mean they're at the pinnacle and we are taking them out 11 yeah well they didn't see us coming sharks i mean yeah they seem like they're the top of the food chain but the well, freaking no, hairless we, monkey is taking them down. We, yeah, the hairless monkey. We're the top of the food chain. We're the we're the number one's. Top, we know we're the world's top predator. We're the world's top predator, and we're the world's most invasive species. We'll go anywhere and eat anything. Yeah, yeah, you we know? will. Well, what what is the the criteria for being an invasive species? Is you have to get on well with man. Well, we do because we are man. Well, the only, so if you the, get on well with human beings, if you can live anywhere, if you're a generalist like we are, well, we're the way that all these invasive species are getting somewhere. You know all. These, we're yes. the pe- person who brings them somewhere. It's not like well, we take ourselves to everywhere and- too. And now that we've got air conditioning and heating, we can live anywhere. So yes, we we go places where we shouldn't be. But that's the funny thing is that you hear the people talking about these invasive species, but they're always like they're brought somewhere in a bilge water of a 
of a ship or a, you know a packing on crate a, on the landing gear of an airplane or yeah a packing you know, the crate end of the, the the tail of the rat that you've inadvertently mm-hmm. got in your you know your corn yeah. chow chowder bowl you don't have a rat in your corn chowder bowl you have it in your bag of flour or something yeah oh yeah well you rat rats yeah fleas if we could, if we could learn to eat those babies mm. we'd be all set yeah after you <laughs> well it's gonna happen. I know you're always talking about the squirrels. I'm not going to eat a squirrel. Well, I'm Yuck. not going to eat a squirrel. I think we're in a socioeconomic uh, kind of niche where we're going to run out of money in the, after the squirrels have already been eaten by other people. That's that's not to be, <laughs> not to toot our own horn, but I just feel... I've, yeah. yeah, our daughters, we're, we're, we're practically vegetarian. No, we're not vegetarians, but our daughter would like to be a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah, the amphibians are really, you know, amphibious creatures are really getting it. Those poor frogs, they're going down. Well, these are some more ideas from her book. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's talking about the biosphere registers the inadequacy of our ideas long before we do. Like, we, we haven't really figured out what's going on until very late in the game with this extinction that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and extinction... To us, it, she she makes this point that it strikes us as an obvious idea, but um, it's not. Aristotle's ten volume history of animals is filled with animals, but not there's no history in it. You know, mm, they, it's sort of it's sort of like they like they were all this unbroken chain of animals that one's leading to another. And the idea that uh, the idea that that, that there were these um, extinctions, he, he didn't kind of suss that out at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was no um, uh, what's his name, Origin of Species, Charles Darwin. Darwin. Yeah, he was no Darwin. Yeah, he was just an observer of what was, what is. Philosophically, I see the animal. The animal exists. I don't think about its existential angst. What came before it? Will it go extinct? Has it changed over my lifetime? (laughs) She's talking in the book about um, how Homo sapiens are a pretty formidable enemy, and inside of inside of rats. Um, the other animals hardly stand a chance. The rat's the only one that can keep up with us. Yeah, she's talking about this uh, Swedish genesis, g- geneticist, geneticist named Svante Pabo saying um, Homo erectus spread like many other mammals in the old world. Um they never came to Madagascar, never to Australia, neither did Neanderthals. It's only fully modern humans who start the th- thing of venturing out on the ocean where you don't see land. Part of that is technology, you know, that we, once we got ships, we could do it. And uh, he says, but, it, but there's also some madness, you know. Uh, how many people must have sailed out into the Pacific before they... F- before they found another place to be, you know, that that we've got this crazy, like, 
wherever we are is not good enough. We'll leave before we exhaust our habitat. We kind of get and go like, let's go like some kind of voracious insects. Let's go over there and see what we can fuck up over there. We're not even done fucking up one place and we're going somewhere else to breed and we're adventurers. Yeah. Adventurous. That's a good way to put it. Mm, yeah, adventurers. We're, I, yeah. We're adventurers. Yeah. Buccaneers. We're like, we're, we're pirates. Swashbuckling. Yeah, we sort of are, really. Well, when you think about it and you think about the things that we do, there's no other species that's quite as destructive. And I mean, it's the lack of foresight. But I mean, all species are just, you know, how do we stay alive? You know, how do we get our genes into the next you know, as many of our, you know, genes into the next generation, how do we eat, you know, and other species will surpass the carrying capacity of whatever their habitat is. But we're certainly doing that. I mean, when you look at how much we consume, we really need almost four Earths to sustain the number of people are there are on Earth, seven billion and counting, and how much we're, we're consuming. So the other species don't stand a chance. We're just eating them out of existence. I mean, Africa's eating, you know, they're eating, they're either poaching their rhinos and their elephants because they're poor, you know, and they need the money, so they're going to go after the horns and the tusks. But then the bushmeat, you know, they're eating their gorillas and all their beautiful animals that are, you know, in the, you know, there that tourists want to come and see because they're hungry. And it's like kind of you eat, you eat all that bushmeat and we're not going to want to come there anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck getting them. I mean, that was one of the other facts in this article that I was just looking at about... Uh, it says China's last wild Indo-Chinese tiger was killed and eaten by a villager. The last one. Mm. The last yeah. of that tiger. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is we're we're like, all, yeah. What should we do? Should we kind of take care of it and feed it so we can look at it and kind of marvel at the sadness of the fact that it's the last one? Or should we just eat it? Well, the thing with bushmeat is, you know, bushmeat, you know, it seems so you know, abhorrent to us because we've got, you know, the supermarket full of chicken and beef and pork. And if we want to eat meat, it's, you know, readily available. But if you've got starving children, you know, you are going to eat a gorilla and you are going to well, that's the other- know, chop off a rhino's horn and, you know, kill an elephant for its tusks. And believe me, I don't, none of it I think should be done. You know, obviously I, you know, want, don't want the elephants and the rhinos to go extinct, but if your children are starving, you understand why people you know, uh, you know, go to such desperate measures. It's yeah, yeah. It boils down to the too many of us. Well, it's interesting too how that's just another example that you were talking about how we, we've got grocery stores and supermarkets and all that stu- other stuff. But just to say that is that whole other network of you know transportation and processing that's involved for us to get our food like we we we're sort of amazed when we see a monkey make a tool to do something or a crow gets a stick and then bends it to be able to get a berry out of a little tight spot you know or that that otters will break a shell on a rock but we're doing such super not only do we use tools but we figure out how to use tools and then we go like i don't even want to know how to use that tool or what you're doing with that tool i want you over there doing your work with that tool and then when it's finally when you're done with it and then you collaborate with someone else and then pack my meat in a little 
plastic wrapped thing and drive it in a truck to a building near my house, keep it cold, and then I'll come by and pick it up whenever I feel like it. I mean, it's just amazing the lengths that we've gone to distance ourselves physically from what is actually going on. You know, mm. we, we think, oh, I need, a, I need something to eat. I'll just go to the store. I need, I need a pencil. I'll just go to the store and get a pencil instead of like, how am I going to get some wood and some lead, put it in the middle of it, and then... Graphite, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, we're also, it's also specialized now, yeah. Specialized and mechanized to the point where, yeah, we don't know that a French fry comes from a potato. Well, I know a French fry comes from a potato, but I know that John, Jamie Oliver has to take English school kids and American school kids into the country to show them what a bloody potato is well listen is i feel like we've all at one there everyone has we don't you're not born knowing where french fries come from someone has to explain that to you well i i, I knew what a potato was before i knew what a french fry was hmm interesting yeah is that really true god yeah <laughs> yeah yes i'm from new zealand we had a vegetable garden. We grew potatoes. My grandfather grew potatoes. Oh, you're taking them out of the ground. Yeah, yeah you take them out, them out of the ground. ground. Potato, you know. And then also we didn't have a McDonald's until I was, you know, 21 in New Zealand. Well, I can imagine that some people know what potatoes are, but they don't. And they know what French fries are, but they don't realize they're the same thing. They don't know that a French fry is made from potatoes. Well, that's yeah. pathetic. That's a real hole in your education. I blame the teachers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is their fault, isn't it? You, you know, there's some states in America now, they just don't have enough teachers. God, poor children. <laughs> <laughs> poor children. <laughs> well, it's just pathetic. There aren't enough teachers. Teachers should be paid more money. They're so important and they're so undervalued. Well, do you think that you would get... Nurses. God, I mean, <laughs> what about? What, I love that you just said nurses. What about nurses? Well, they're undervalued, and now they're not properly trained. Do you know that UCLA, where I've had two procedures done, mm-hmm. they don't they they have a really bad rating for you know people going into hospital and having things happen that they either get really sick from or they die from. You know, they have a, they they rate. I mean, they're a really good hospital, but they also rate really badly. And <laughs> I'm not going to go into detail about what happened to me the last time I went in. But remember that lady put the, the anesthetic in my arm and the next thing I had that great big embolism, an air embolism blowing up in my arm. And luckily before I went under, I could tell my arm was painful. And I said to the operating nurse, hey, there's something wrong with my arm. And she, when she saw it, she was like, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me. It's like, yeah, because I could have fucking been suing you, suing you, suing you afterwards because I might have gone extinct. That day. Yeah, that would have been me suing them, Jerry. Yeah, because I'd been blowing up with air because they'd missed my vein. And ladies and gentlemen, I have some big veins. I don't know if there are any ladies or gentlemen listening. No, there are. Believe me, there's (laughs) some people. I mean, do they consider themselves ladies and gentlemen? I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope hope they're proud of themselves. They've got good manners. They use their napkins. Ladies and gentlemen. People of value, every oh, they're all important. Don't go and extinct. Special. We love you, ladies and gentlemen, yes, out there in, no, please, in audience please land. Please don't give it. Don't go extinct. Don't go personally extinct. And don't, don't eat shark fin soup. Be careful when you're crossing the street. For God's sake, those buses are out there, and you're much more likely to get hit by a bus than a meteor. Or eaten by a shark. Those shark attacks are really rare. Well, we're the ones actually who are attacking the sharks. It's the shark attack is us. We're attacking them at the rate of eleven thousand an hour. Yeah. 
yes, they literally should be more afraid of us than them. Absolutely. But most people in their daily lives have got a much greater chance of an encounter with a bus than yeah. a shark. And I, and I think UCLA Hospital is really trying, you know, they're trying to, you know, up their game. Sure they are. Yeah, they're trying not to give you some bad disease when you go in there to have your operation. Although I was reading a, a, a statistic the other day in, I think it was in the Harper's Magazine, about the profit if if there's a doctor or a staff cause error the profit that they make on you goes up because now you require all this additional care oh my god it was pretty horrific not that not that they're doing it on purpose but it's just like one of those like oh well on the bright side yeah we left the scalpel inside you but we made an extra two hundred thousand dollars out of it i'm on my way to europe with yeah. my whole family. And we're going to get that sponge out of there eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll poop it out one day. Don't worry. You poop it out? Don't worry. Yeah, we're going to Club Med, and you'll. And by the time we're back, you will have pooped out that sponge. Yeah. Oh. Maybe not through your, your usual pooper, but somehow. <laughs> the other, we've installed another pooper yeah, for you. Yeah, sponge escape pooper. Who would get that surgery? Man, one pooper is enough, I think. Oh, no, you don't get that surgery. That's not a surgery you get, you know, you say, hey, I'd really like you. It's just that they've got to cut the hole in you to get the thing out. Mm. Mm. Okay, let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let's not talk about it. Mm. Oh, well, this has really been great to have this talk with you, honey. I know. It's so uplifting, isn't it? Talking about extinctions and... It is uplifting. 11,000 sharks an hour being killed for shark fin soup. And I'm glad that you were able to... to really stay awake long enough to appear as a guest on this week's episode. Do you want to kiss? And then we'll say goodnight. You're so corny. What do you mean? Do you want to kiss? And then we'll say goodnight. You mean to the, for the ladies and gentlemen's out there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're terrible. Oh, see, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm terrible. Well, you just can't, you can't even allow just a little bit of showmanship and maybe, oh, it's, isn't that sweet? They had a long conversation and they kissed and that was the end. It couldn't be that. What did I do? What did I do? You totally stepped on it and just called it corny and, you know, (laughs) people are witnessing our love right now. Do you understand what's going on at all? Yeah. How many episodes of the podcast have you listened to? (laughs) (laughs) About three and a half. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's great. You're great. Yeah, thanks very much. Three and a half is not enough. If you're listening now, please try and listen to some of the other 130 episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a a slacker. But I'm a a performer in the podcast. I can't be listening to them. I'm performing in in them. You're in it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing little cameos. Today I'm an actual guest star. Or what's what's this called that I'm doing? Yeah, guest star. I love that you're lying on your side now with the microphone sort of propped up near your mouth. Yeah, well, this is where I, this is my bedtime, ladies and gentlemen. So it's winding down. Okay. Yeah. Night. Night. Yeah. Thanks, ladies. Sweet dreams. Thanks, ladies. Yeah. See you next time. Ah, my wife. 
she's a nice lady. You're a nice lady. I'm sure you're a nice lady or a nice man, whatever you, whatever you are, however you classify. Why do we have to label ourselves? Look in your pants and tell me what you think about yourself right now. Um, thank you for listening. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Please procrastinate your surrender because there is still a good chance that we can win this battle. I mean, not not the ultimate battle. We're all going to die, but let's try and go as long as we can before that happens. See what you can do. I'm going to see what I can do. Um, and then I'm not saying lay off the cheese. I love cheese. Put some hot cheese on whatever you've got, unless your doctor has told you not to. I'm not a doctor. Please do not take my dietary advice in anything except the spirit that in which it is given, which is the spirit of cheese is delicious. I really enjoy it. But if you don't, then, uh, you know, some people are lactose intolerant. Intolerant. Oh, God, I had some vegan cheese when I was out with, I've got to drop a name now, my friend Mike Kaplan. Oh, my God, he's a vegan. And uh, they, they make cheese at the vegan restaurant out of nuts. Which nuts are delicious. I don't know why you want to mess around trying to make nuts into cheese when you could just eat the nuts and say, I don't eat cheese because I'm a vegan. We're not allowed to have. Why are you trying to make cheese if you're a vegan anyway? Huh? Maybe you could answer me that, hypothetical vegan listener. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. I've got, you know, I had a listener. I've, I had a listener. I had a listener. I don't know what happened to him. Um, I had a listener who emailed me uh, some feedback and some questions, and I also got tweeted some questions. I'm going to be covering those tweeted and emailed questions in an upcoming episode. I'd love to say it's going to be the next episode, but how the hell do I know what is going to happen next? I can barely decide for myself that this episode is over, right? I mean, I'm still talking. I thought I would be done talking by now. When I pushed the button to do this end of the episode talking, I didn't think it was going to go on this long. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you. I usually say next week, but this week, I can't be sure it's going to be next week, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try and have it be next week. Please, please, please help yourself to some delicious cheese. Thank you. Bye. Talk into the machine, please. I don't care. I can't hear you unless you talk into the machine.